True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Apologies in advance, but we had some connection issues on today's podcast. The good news is that if you love Scott White, well, you're going to love this episode because you got a whole lot of him. Thanks, everybody, and enjoy. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. Remember always to drink responsibly and welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. Frank Sample joined by Scott White. This is the ranking edition of the podcast. We're basically just going to rank a whole bunch of stuff on today's podcast. We're going to throw in a few worryometers. Jacob deGrom hurt. Christian Yelich hurt. We're going to talk about all of it. What is up, Scotty to hottie? Not much, Frank. Another night of baseball to talk about. That's right. You're right about that. Let's jump right in, man. Oh, my goodness, goodness gracious. All right, let's jump right in. I didn't forget about all the other... Oh my goodness gracious, call submissions, by the way. I, I'm going to work those in eventually. Continue to send me some stuff in. Some broadcasting blunders, some fun calls from around baseball that you want to hear. Going to work that into a rotation at the top of the show for Oh My Goodness Gracious. But Scott, why don't you get us started with your top standout from Tuesday's action? Well, it's got to be Dylan Cease, Frank. Who has <laughs> made us all eat our words. Remember a couple weeks ago when Michael Kopech had that awesome start filling in for Lance Lynn and we were like, well, if only they'd let Dylan Cease go. Not, not sure what more we need to see from him. He's shown us a lot more. He's shown us a lot more as his, his, his past two outings, nine strikeouts in seven shutout innings last time out against the Tigers. Was facing the Reds here on, uh, on Tuesday night. Struck out 11 in six one-hit innings. Best two starts of his career. Dylan Cease has, has now delivered back-to-back, unscored upon in both. So that's very exciting. But really, what's underneath it is uh, is revealing in its own way. Because if you remember last time when he had that great start against the Tigers, I pointed out that the, the spin rate on his fastball was way up. The spin rate on his fastball remained up in this start against the Reds. Dylan Cease's spin rate on the fastball from today and compare it to pitchers who spin rates for the season on the fastball. Dylan Cease's fastball today would check in behind only Trevor Bowers and Corbin Burns's for spin rate. The slider would be behind only Corbin Burns's for spin rate. So... A lot of action he's getting on those pitches all of a sudden. And that's kind of Ethan Katz, the new pitching coach. That that was kind of one of the things he was working toward with with Cease and with with Carlos Rodon using a core velocity belt, uh, reworking the mechanics in a way that was supposed to generate more more spin. I I don't know if that's it taking effect. The best the the, the only thing I could find from Cease after his last start, he was saying, uh that he stopped worrying so much about mechanics and just was uh, was just trying to focus on executing his pitches, and that's he felt like things started to turn around at that point. So I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously he wasn't very good last year before Ethan Katz got there. So 
something must have clicked for him because suddenly he looks like the the dominant power pitcher he was supposed to be all along. I wonder if he's going to be hearing a call from Major League Baseball with all this spin rate increasing. Apparently that was something they were going to try and crack down on from one year to the next. So yeah, speculation on my part. Go ahead, go ahead. Be play the skeptic, Frank. That's fine. <laughs> Look, he's been great. There's nothing I can say about it. Um, second straight outing, his last two starts: thirteen shutout, four hits, three walks, twenty strikeouts on the back of a twenty-one percent swinging strike rate, and he's actually been using more uh, breaking off-speed stuff as well. I, I noticed the changeup usage has been up a little bit. The knuckle curve, he was really always just four-seam slider. He has all this arm talent in the world, but he's kind of just need to fig- find out how to become a pitcher. So that is, it looks like, what he is doing uh, right now. So I, I like that he is including these four pitches into a legit pitch mix. This isn't just, you know, the two-star Dylan's... Uh, two pitch Dylan Cease that we have seen in the past. So he's looked really good. He's 67% rostered on CBS. And as of now, it looks like he is lined up for two starts next week versus Minnesota and versus the Kansas city Royals. He's a must add, right? Scott. Yeah. No way. No way. DC should go on rostered. In fact, I recommended to somebody on Twitter that he dropped, Zach Plesak for him. Given the choices he presented me with, I'm not just saying like blanket statement, drop Zach Plesak, but that's the first time this year that I've presented with, I've been presented with, should I drop Plesak for him, whoever him is? And I said, yes. So take that for what it's worth. Mm, Someone asked me if they should drop Alex Wood. And I said, yes, I would drop Alex Wood for Dylan Cease. But since we're going to talk about rankings so much on today's podcast, Let's just try and figure out where we're going to move Dylan Cease up to, Scott, because we both have him ranked 85th at starting pitcher. By the time you are listening to this on Wednesday, we're probably going to have him ranked much higher than that. So how far do we think he's moving up? I am currently eyeing the 50 to 55 range at starting pitcher, which starts with Frankie Montas, has Chris Paddock, Denelson Lamette, who's a mess, uh, Sean Manaya, Danny Duffy, Christian Javier. So that's the group that I'm kind of eyeing right now for Dylan Cease. What do you think? So I, I kind of, because I was, I was updating my rankings, doing, doing my weekly audit uh, earlier today before the Cease start even happened. And um, when I was doing it, I was kind of seeing Christian Javier as, as the low guy among those I don't feel like I can drop. Uh, that was kind of the line for me. But I want to put Cease higher in there. Obviously, if I was telling somebody to drop Plesak for him. So I guess the starting point is where do I have Plesak ranked? And I have ranked 38th. So this is where it gets difficult to be consistent. I would say I don't want to drop Kluber for him. I don't want to drop Otani the pitcher for him. I don't really want to drop Rodriguez or Nathan Avaldi. I, I think I'm ready to put Cease ahead of like Chris Paddock and Frankie Montas. Danny Duffy's in that same range too. Yeah. I think that sounds about right. So just outside my top 50. Which I don't know. Does that mean I have to move Zach Plesak down? I don't no, know. I mean, every question is different, right? So if someone's asking you, I have only these players to drop, and you do think that Dylan Cease has more long-term upside than Plesak, which I don't think is crazy. Yeah, That's where things... I understand what you're saying. You want to be consistent with what you're telling people to do versus your rankings, but... I do think you can kind of take things a case-by-case basis where if you play in a shallower league, you kind of want to shoot for more upside anyway. Yeah. So that, that was kind of my thought process. Thank you for explaining it for me. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> That's what we're here for, right? Uh, all right, so Dylan C is climbing up right around that top 50 starting pitcher range. He has been fantastic over his last two starts. I just want to highlight Kyle Hendricks as my, oh my goodness gracious, player from Wednesday. There's a bunch of other players that we're going to talk about later on that I could have chose Kyle Gibson, uh, someone I'm, I'm pretty excited about as well. But I just wanted to show Kyle Hendricks some love. And we were telling people there wasn't really anything in the underlying numbers that said he wasn't going to bounce back. So we were all kind of optimistic on Kyle Hendricks. And that by, that by low window is now gone against the Dodgers on Tuesday. Seven innings of one run ball with one walk, six strikeouts, 
12 swinging strikes on 92 pitches. Scott, this is exactly what you want to see from Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, I remember I talked yesterday about feeling like I couldn't sit Kenta Maeda as much as I wanted to because he had a two-start week coming up. Now, both of his matchups were great. Hendricks, he gets the Pirates next time in this two-star week. So it's kind of the same thought process. I really want to set Hendricks, but this is a bad week to do it. But the Dodgers matchup between those two pitchers, Maeda and Hendricks, the Dodgers matchup was the one to worry about. And obviously, uh, Hendricks passed that test with flying colors. And, you know, I, I expected him to get back on track eventually. But because he's he, because there's no heat there, you know, he can't overpower hitters. Like, it doesn't take him being off by much to just get throttled. And that's, I think, a lot of what we've been seeing here from Hendricks early in the season. But hopefully this start was him getting back on track. And uh, very thankful I started him in all the leagues I did. Can't say the same for Herman Marquez. I feel for <laughs> the people out there who uh, who finally got a good start from Kyle Hendricks, but then also had Herman Marquez in their lineups. Yeah, I can't. I mean, there has to be teams out there, right, that... That just had each other cancel out, basically. It's not even well, beyond. Yeah, beyond cancel. Uh, Herman Marquez was so bad. Her- yeah. Herman Marquez was like it's three bad starts rolled into one. Eight earned runs in two thirds of an inning. That's that's gonna it's gonna take a while to recover from that. Sadly, I started him in two leagues myself. So yeah, I don't have any, I don't have any shares of Herman Marquez, and I feel like this always happens, Scott. Where as soon as we either talk someone up. Or if we talk someone down or we say like, oh, they're going to come around, like something happens, right? So a couple of weeks ago or last week, we were talking about how Herman Marquez has looked really good. And it's like ever since then, he's just completely right. Well, this was a home star. And and the the story with Marquez is, oh, don't start him at home. If you play in a weekly league, he has two a week with two matchups like this week, one at home, one away. Yeah. What do you do then? That's, that's always a dilemma, but he had actually been good at home so far this year. So I was like, all right, let's just let's just roll with him. Honestly, I'm I'm not convinced he's that good, to be perfectly honest, Marquez. I I don't know. I don't know that I want to get burned by him again. But Particularly in those categories leagues. In a points league, okay. You can you can withstand a horrible start in a points league better than you can in a uh in a categories league. And he's better for points leagues because he when he's on, he does routinely go deeper into his start. So that's a an asset that Herman Marquez does have. Uh, Scott, the worryometer on Herman Marquez. I mean, can you drop him? His ERA is 6.21. Drop him for Dylan Cease? Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, I know I, I'm, I feel like if Chris was here, he'd disagree pretty strongly because he was the highest on Marquez coming into the season. But he's been, the last two years... You combine his numbers from the last two years, Marquez is less than a strikeout per inning. I know the road numbers are pretty good, but anytime the pitcher's getting less than a strikeout per inning, he has to be like he has to really, really stand out in some other way for me to give him the time of day in, in fantasy, uh, as prevalent as strikeouts are. So I think he's still I kind of feel like he's still uh He's he's he, we're still riding the fumes of that 2018 season when he struck out 230 batters, 10.6 per nine. But he hasn't been that pitcher since then. And um, again, I think the old rule, uh, even though he was breaking it early this season, don't start him at home. I think we're we're clearly back to that after this start. So can only use him half the time, and not going to give you a great strikeout rate anyway. I, I don't know that that to me is pretty fringy. Yeah, his walks per nine heading into Tuesday were over five. So the the command has been brutal for her mom, Marquez. Uh, would you drop him for Dylan Cease? Yeah. Cool. Before we get to the news and notes, I wanted to let you know about what is on CBS Sports HQ this week. As always, CBS Sports HQ is your home to start your sports news day with live updates kicking off each morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. And HQ is always your home ahead of the evening's action with live picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world each day at 6 p.m. Eastern time. You may be thinking it's quiet time in sports with the NFL draft over, but you'd be wrong. It's a Champions League week on HQ. In fact, it's the second leg of the semifinals. And that means we'll have wall-to-wall coverage Tuesday and Wednesday, including latest news. Well, you're hearing this on Wednesday, so you could watch it on Wednesday. Uh, latest news, analysis, picks, lots of picks 
coming around both match days. So check out HQ on your computer on CBSSports.com or via the CBS Sports app on your mobile phone or TV. It's always free. It's always on CBS Sports HQ. News and notes. We got some uh, not great updates on Tuesday. Jacob DeGrom was scratched from his start, and then the Mets game got rained out anyway. And the MRI showed inflammation in his right lat. Jacob DeGrom will refrain from throwing for the next few days. Scott, what is your worryometer on this Jacob DeGrom injury? It's maybe like a three because there's always the potential he aggravates and it becomes it becomes worse. I feel like we have a, a an episode like this with DeGrom every year though where there's something happens and and every it, it seems like it could be bad and everybody's freaking out and then you know he ends up missing a start or two and and is fine the rest of the way. So hopefully that's all it is again. It indications are that's all it is again. But it's a little higher than 0. It was enough that I I had I had recently moved him up to first in my rest of season pitcher rankings and this was enough for me to drop him back to third behind Bieber and Cole. Christian Yelich, another one. He re-injured his back and was placed on the IL Tuesday. He only played one game, and that was Monday's action. I believe he had a hit. Manager Craig Council sounds pretty concerned, too. Quote, last night, Christian told us that he's not going to be able to do this on a daily basis, and so we need to stop and completely resolve this. At this point, we don't have an answer. And perhaps this is the reason why He's been striking out so much since the start of last year, Scott. So this sounds bad for Christian Yellows. What is your worryometer on him? Yeah, it's it's probably like a solid five at this point. I probably need to pull him down in my outfield rankings outside the top 10 at least. He'd been holding steady at five for me just because I was expecting the return to be right around the corner and him to hopefully get back to his MVP ways. But this is... So it's alarming that he hasn't made any real progress yet and uh backs are tricky backs are tricky i don't i don't know what it's going to take and like to grom this is kind of something that yelich it feels like he's dealt with it on and off the past couple of years even when he was in his you know prime mvp-esque seasons uh it, it always kind of felt like you would hear it pop up here and there oh you know he's out of the lineup here sore back whatever um so maybe it's finally catching up to christian yelich which sucks because when the guy is going Healthy, he is, you know, one of the best bats in the game. But uh, yeah, Christian Yelich, there is reason to be current, concerned about him. There's not really anything we do, right, Scott? It's it's just hold. I, even if you try to sell him for something, it's now's just not the right time to do it. So, yeah, I a couple weeks ago we did our our survey that we do every Monday, where we're presented with five questions and we each give an answer and. Favorite by low player was one of the questions, and I said, Yelich. I'd still be more likely to buy him than sell him at this point, but obviously with the understanding that it would be at a discount. Carlos Carrasco pitched in a simulated game at the Mets Spring facility on Tuesday. He apparently hit 96 miles per hour with his fastball, and he is expected to make a rehab start on Sunday. Carlos Carrasco's coming soon. Juan Soto was activated Tuesday, but was limited to a bench roll. He pinch hit and went 0 for 1 with a strikeout. More injuries. Nico Horner was placed on the IL with a left forearm strain. Jake Arietta was placed on the IL with a right thumb injury. It is expected to be a minimum stay on the IL for Nico Horner, who was performing quite well and we were pretty excited about. So get well, Nico Horner. Yep. Nick Senzel was out of the Reds lineup with a sore shoulder. He left opening day with a shoulder injury as well. He's had surgery on his shoulder, so it's just more for Nick Senzel. Uh, might be Tyler Naquin time, Scott. So if anything happens to Senzel, probably would see an uptick in playing time for Naquin. Kevin Gosman was placed on the COVID IL with vaccine side effects. He should be back within a few days. Alex Kirilov was scratched Tuesday with wrist soreness. I mean, this is why we can't have nice things, man. What? Nico Horner, Alex Kirilov. I hope they're all right. It should be nothing serious, but 
Come on, man. To Nelson Lamette returned from the IL on Tuesday against the Pirates. He pitched two innings. He allowed four hits with zero strikeouts. His fastball was down three miles per hour from last year. His slider was down two miles per hour. Scott, what is the game plan here for Nelson Lamette? I just cannot figure this situation out for the life of me. Yeah, it's... um, I don't know. I don't know. He did not look good. Velocity was way down, as you mentioned. He could only make it two innings. Didn't have a single strikeout, right? Why would he? His velocity was down multiple <laughs> miles per hour. I, uh, I'm i still anticipating an IL stint and would pay, would, would not pay much of anything for him on the trade market right now. Amir Garrett has been suspended seven games for causing a blen- uh, benches clearing brawl over the weekend. He is appealing the suspension. Brady Singer is on track to start Wednesday against Cleveland. He got hit on his heel with a line drive his last time out. Jordan Hicks was placed on the IL with elbow inflammation. He's expected to miss at least four weeks. Luis Arise was placed on the seven-day concussion IL. Nick Gordon was recalled for the Twins. Eliezer Hernandez with the Marlins completed a 30-pitch bullpen session. He's currently on the IL with a biceps injury. Merrill Kelly was placed on the IL for unspecified reasons. Joaquin Soria was recalled for Arizona. Scott, do you think Soria works his way back into the closer mix? Or is it Stefan Crichton's job to lose? I think Crichton has to lose the job. I don't think Crichton is a closer caliber reliever, so that may well happen. But I think I think Crichton's I think Crichton's got it for now. Then yeah. again, what <laughs> should we should we bring up Josh Stamont and what happened with him? Because it sure it. looked like he had the role for the Royals. In fact, I wrote about. In the in in Monday's bullpen report or Tuesday's bullpen report, just earlier Tuesday, I wrote about uh, how confident I was. Josh Stalmont was definitively the Royals' closer, so of course he came in in the seventh inning in Tuesday's game against the Indians. Not only did he come in in the seventh inning, but he gave up three earned runs in that inning, ended up taking the loss. So maybe that's on Mike Matheny for using his closer in a non-save situation, which is still kind of a thing that is known to create implosions. Maybe Stalmont was thinking of himself as the closer. I don't know. I don't know. I Look, if, you, if you're still asking me to pick a front runner for saves in the Royals' bullpen, I, it's still Stalmont with an asterisk, and um, I didn't happen to check who was due up that inning. It may have been just that it was such a high-leverage situation that uh, Stelmont didn't want to uh, didn't want to lose the game there. You know, obviously, we saw how that turned out. Anyway, uh, let's see. A runner was on, but yeah, no good hitters were coming up. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I would still guess Stelmont's the guy for the next safe. Ch- I mean, he may need a day off, but the next safe chance. But clearly, it's not as. It's not as locked up as I thought it was. Yeah, the Royals situation, closure situation, has been one of the toughest to figure out all season long. Yesterday, the Blue Jays said George Springer would be back on Tuesday. George Springer was not back on Tuesday. He is day-to-day, according to manager Charlie Montoyo. Anthony Rendon was out of the Angels lineup after fouling a ball off of his leg late on Monday night. Matthew Boyd will start Sunday against the Twins. Quote, if all things continue to progress with his sore left knee, The Dodgers are likely to treat one of their weekend games against the Angels as a bullpen day, meaning Trevor Bauer is unlikely to make a start Saturday on short rest. As expected, Tommy Listello was placed in the aisle with a left hamstring strain. He'll be out at least four weeks. Luke Voigt started a rehab assignment on Tuesday. He was leading off for their AAA affiliate, and he finished with two hits and a walk. So Luke Voigt could be back as soon as next week. And a few other prospect updates. Austin Martin, the Blue Jays' first-round pick in 2020, is likely to split his playing time in the minors between shortstop and center field. He went 2-for-4 with a walk in his first game on Tuesday. Nate Pearson started opening day for AAA Buffalo on Tuesday. He'll need to show he can work at least six innings consistently before he's considered for a promotion to the Blue Jays. He finished the game with eight strikeouts and just one walk, but only completed three and two-thirds innings pitched. Uh, Joe Adele is starting his minor league season at AAA, and Mariners pitching prospect Logan Gilbert will start on Friday for their AAA 
affiliate. Scott, let's rank some stuff. Got a lot of starting pitchers. We got some waiver wire ads, some Giancarlo Stanton talk, who is on fire. Let's start off with some outfielders that might be available in some shallower leagues because apparently, you know, none of these outfielders are available in Chris Towers' leagues where he needs outfielders, but they might be available in your league. So let's talk about them. Uh, Rymel Tapia, he hit a grand slam uh, in the first game of the doubleheader on Tuesday. He's batting, he was batting 317. I don't, I didn't see what that updated number is. Um, Andrew McCutcheon hit a double dong on Tuesday. He now has three home runs over his last three games. He is 54% rostered. Willie Calhoun, we talk about this guy all the time, but uh, his roster rate is still low. It's 46%. He started against a lefty, Jay Happ, and he homered off of a lefty, Taylor Rogers, in the ninth. Yeah. Willie Calhoun's coming on strong. Adolis Garcia looked like he was starting to scuffle a little bit. He's now homered in back-to-back games. He's up to seven home runs on the season. So, Scott, rank these four potential waiver wire outfielders. Rymel Tapia, Andrew McCutcheon, Willie Calhoun, Adolis Garcia. Well, Willie Calhoun is number one with a bullet. He's I I can't leave him unrostered in any league at this point. I think the I think the potential for him to be an impact contributor is pretty high, especially given that he doesn't strike out much. That helps in points leagues especially. But I, I think it's going to lead to consistency for him too. And really the biggest question is will they be sitting him against left handed pitchers? Well, lately they haven't been. And if he continues to perform against them as he did today, as he did Tuesday, then, um, yeah, this, this might be the breakout. This might be the breakout year for him. It might be the start of something special. Now, Rymel Tapia, it's kind of surprising he has only four home runs. Um, his ex-slug, at least coming into today, was 361. That ain't good. That's not, uh, that doesn't lend itself to much power. And uh, I don't think you should count on him contributing in that way going forward. Batting average and stolen bases, that's what he was expected to contribute at the start of the season. I I still think that's mainly what he's good for. Not sure it's going to be a huge steals total. It might just be an okay steals total. But if I I see him more as a need filler than, than just an outfielder everybody needs to be starting. And Adelis Garcia is kind of the same way except power. I, I see Garcia. You mentioned he was scuffling, but then he's homered in two straight games. I think there's going to be a lot of that. A lot of that. Uh, it's going to play out exactly that way a lot over the course of the season. Kind of reminds me of of Hunter Renfro back when Hunter Renfro was usable, you know, but just very one-dimensional with the power. I think Garcia is going to be the same way. Did we lose Frank? Am, is the podcast still going and I'm all alone? I don't know. I'm going to keep talking, though, in case that is the case. So, I'm going to rank starting pitchers. We had Shane McClanahan make his second start. He went four innings again. This is what I was worried about with him. Four innings and back-to-back starts, only 63 pitches thrown. And Frank was watching the broadcast. He mentioned to me that uh, the announcers were kind of hinting at he might only go four or five innings most of the time, McClanahan. It might not be a great situation in terms of picking up wins, but of course the stuff looked phenomenal again for him. Really good stuff. Fastball that peaks at 100 miles per hour. Really good slider. Inning for inning, I think McClanahan's going to be very useful, but it's going to be, you know, it, it's going to be hard for him to make a points league contribution specifically if his uh, if his innings are limited so severely. Uh, Cole Irvin. Now, this was a special one. Eight innings pitched, one earned run allowed, nine strikeouts for Cole Irvin against the Blue Jays. And actually, his last four starts, go, the last four starts for Cole Irvin, a combined four earned runs. So he's been on quite a run here, Irvin has. I don't really get it. Um, I read after his last start that there were the, the athletics were having him use his two-seamer more because it's a pitch he's comfortable with. And he wasn't really getting to do that with the Phillies. So they think they may have unlocked something with him. But apart from just allowing few runs, I haven't seen how that's actually improved things for Irvin. 
It's not like the swinging strikes look good. He's actually, it's actually a very low ground ball rate. I was surprised actually looking it up and seeing that Cole Irvin had such a low XFIP. His XFIP, you know, I'd expect a kind of middling strikeout guy who doesn't have uh, doesn't have a good ground ball number. I'd expect his XFIP to be on the high side. 362, though, that's respectable. That's perfectly respectable. Now, his XERA is over five, so maybe that's the one to trust here. Uh, the fact that he's walked so few guys, I think, is, is doing a lot of heavy lifting with that XFIP for Irvin. I don't know. He looks pretty hittable to me, and I don't really feel like he can keep this going. But this is a nice a nice run he's on right now. And, um, yeah. So, Shane McClanahan, Cole Irvin, Adbert Alzali, who... You know, we've seen good strikeout numbers from him recently. Tony Gonsolin, who we talked about yesterday as the eventual replacement for Dustin May. If I was ranking them, I'd go Gonsolin number one, actually, over McClanahan because of those innings concerns with McClanahan. And then I'd go Alzali over Irvin because I just don't trust the skill level. With Irvin, corner infielders to rank here. We got Hunter Dozier who's been heating up lately. Three straight multi-hit games, two home runs during that span. Still batting under 200 for the season. So that's not great, but appears to be turning things around. Christian Walker recently returned from the IL. CJ Crone, he uh, hit one out at, hit one out today in game two of the doubleheader against the Giants, actually off of Alex Wood. A hot pitcher there. Uh, and then Brandon Belt homered in both games of a doubleheader. He's he'd basically done nothing this season, but it's actually really strong last season, the short season, um, with the ball flying out better at his home park in San Francisco. Brandon Belt was actually pretty strong. If I was, if I was ranking them, I'd definitely go Crone number one. I might go Dozier number two, though. I think Dozier, I think Dozier was just off to a really slow start, but. Um, you know, he's not going to be a stud or anything, but power maybe in the 25, 30 homer range, a non, not going to be a total zero for steals. I think Dozier would be number two there. And man, between Christian Walker and Belt, I think I'd lean Walker over Belt, but Belt's interesting. Just, I'm just not sure that 2020 season is something he's going to be able to repeat. So that's how I'd rank those corner infielders. So let's look at some D. Oh, the DH only. He wants to rank the DH onlys here because Giancarlo Stanton, of course, had a big game on Tuesday. Now up to a 10 game hitting streak. Four for five with his seventh home run. That is an impressive power display from a guy who we know is capable of doing that. It's capable of doing that. It seems to be hot right now. So rank Stanton, Nelson Cruz, Yadi, Jordan Alvarez. Shohei Otani, the hitter, and Fran Mil Reyes. I go Cruz Alvarez. Hmm. I, I go Cruz Alvarez. I think I'm going to put Otani ahead of Stanton because, you know, he gets the stolen bases. It's a big deal. He's got a lot of stolen bases. And Stanton, you expect him to miss time from time to time, right? I certainly do. So Cruz, Alvarez, Otani, Stanton, and then Reyes. Some more starting pitchers to rank here. Waskar Inoa. Let's maybe maybe he needs to get a Shohei Otani thing going, hitter and pitcher, because he homered for the second straight start. Waskar Inoa did, and uh, it was to straightaway center. It was over 420 feet, I think, and it was a grand slam. Like he was, he was the Braves team basically on Tuesday night. Continue to do what he's been doing on the mound. Seven innings, only one run allowed. Four strikeouts in seven innings, only eight swinging strikes. That's not good, but a lot, uh, you know, going going to that slider more than 50% of the time makes him difficult to square up even when he's not missing bats. I don't know. I don't know how long he can pull off this trick, but his ERA now for the season's down to 236. Obviously, he's must roster at this point. Kyle Gibson. He continued to roll merrily along. Eight innings, 300 runs allowed, eight strikeouts, 17 swinging strikes on 107 pitches. He hasn't been getting a ton of strikeouts this year, but the, the swinging strike rate is actually quite good. Of those 17 swinging strikes, nine came on the slider. And it just seems like 
adding a cutter to his repertoire, it's not a pitch he uses a ton, but it's just kind of, it's kind of helped everything play up. I don't know if it gives another look that's close enough to the slider that's always been so good in the fastball that it uh, it creates some deception there. Even though the strikeout rate isn't great, I feel pretty good about Kyle Gibson because he's getting so many whiffs. I mean, I, I think he's pretty much must roster at this point. What is that for him? It's a nice, he's got a quality start streak and a streak going, I know. Yeah, his, his XERA is like right around three. So StatCast likes what he's doing. And then Alex Wood, I, I half heartedly recommended him for the start at Coors Field because I got I to gotta come up with. I got to come up with 10 low and starting pitcher recommendations every week. So I didn't feel great about it, but he survived it. He survived it. Two earned runs in five innings, only two strikeouts. He'd been getting more of those past couple starts, uh, which is really dominated in his last two outings. But obviously, Coors Field, a dangerous place to pitch. I think the fact that he survived it and was he able to pull out the win? I know he left in line for a win, but they were... They were kind of falling apart there at the end. It looks like... Nope, nope, the Rockies came back and won that game. So Alex Wood didn't get the win. So that's disappointing. But anyway, between Waskari Noah, Kyle Gibson, Alex Wood, ranking them rest of season, I think they're almost roster. Wood, by the way, is up to 83%. I would go uh, I would go Enoa, then Wood, then Gibson. But they're almost roster, like I said. Middle infielders, kind of the low end here. Josh Rojas hit a home run here on Tuesday. He's up to five now. Just on a on a roll here after a terrible start to the season, getting a lot of playing time for the Diamondbacks. Gavin Lux, he's been terrible since the first week. Jonathan India, whatever. Whatever. I, I can't muster much excitement for Jonathan India anymore. So I'd rank him just that way. Josh Rojas, one. Gavin Lux, two. Jonathan India, three uh and then starting pitchers part three here this is like really scraping the bottom of the barrel now with joe ross who two earned runs in five and a third innings against the braves three strikeouts and um four of his fat four of his five starts this year joe ross's have actually been good the other was a 10 earned run disaster i don't see a lot to like here 469 xfip doesn't miss a lot of bats. Doesn't get a lot of ground balls. I think he's. Uh, I think I. I think it's going to come back to haunt him eventually. So I'm not. I'm not putting much value in him. Mitch Keller had a good start. Five and two thirds shutout innings. Two hits. Five strikeouts. Only four whiffs for Mitch Keller. So whatever. Tyler Anderson of the Pirates. We talked about him. His whiff rate this year looks pretty good, though. A lot of it came in the first start of the season when he had over 20 whiffs. And then Daniel Lynch, the recent prospect call up, made his debut Monday. It wasn't that great, but obviously there's a lot of upside there. So I'm going to go with Lynch just by default here because of that upside, ranking these four. Lynch, number one. Tyler Anderson, number two. Mitch Keller, three. And Joe Ross, four. I am going to take a break because that's what it's time to do. I'm going to check in with Frank. I'm going to find out if he's going to rejoin me. I'm going to find out if any of this is even recorded or if I'm just talking to the few people watching me live and 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 then we'll talk some more about fantasy baseball all right if you've ever been in the market for a new home you know home shopping can be a lot there's so much you don't know and so much you need to know what are the neighborhoods like what are the schools like who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best and why can't all this information just be in one place well now it is on homes.com As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework.
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. I'm back. We're going to keep talking fantasy baseball here. Like it or not, it's just me. Frank is gone. Internet's out all over his neighborhood. We're doomed. I'm having to look at these notes I've never seen before. That's fine. We'll do fine. We'll... Be good. Okay. Clayton Kershaw, shortest outing of his career against the Cubs. It was bad. It was bad. Um, Worryometer on Clayton Kershaw after this start against the Cubs in which he gave up. uh, Trying to see exactly what he gave up. It was four runs in an inning. 400 runs in an inning, shortest outing of his career, as I said. His average fastball velocity was 89.8, down from 91 this season. That wasn't good. Doesn't sound like anything's really wrong with him. He he didn't seem too concerned after the start. He just chalked it up as one of those starts and get ready for the next one. I mean, other than the drop of velocity, I mean, that kind of concerns me, but that happens from time to time. He has a 295 ERA after this start, so he had been on such a good run that I don't think there's I don't think there's much to worry about. I I'll go a two on the worryometer for Clayton Kershaw. Buster Posey had another great game for the Giants. Started game one of the doubleheader. His batting average at this point is really high. It's up to 382. And he's slugging 735. He had his seventh home run. And I just I mean, because it's catcher and like, what else are you supposed to do but go with the hot hand, particularly somebody who has Posey's history? He's in my top 10 rest of season. Why not? Who else am I going to slot there? I just did not see this coming. Uh, obviously, he had a hip injury a few years ago and maybe maybe recent years were marred by that. Didn't play at all last year. Of course, sat out the season. But we haven't seen this version of Posey since like 2017. And frankly, he's even looking better than he did then. But that was like the last all-star caliber version of Posey that we saw. So sits every third game at his age, 34. I mean, maybe you have to expect that. But yeah, looking like a must-start for now. I wouldn't mess with it too much. Garrett Hampson up to seven steals this year. Started the first game of that doubleheader against the Giants. I don't trust him as a hitter, but it's good to see that he's running when he does play. Sandy Alcantara had uh, a typical Sandy Alcantara start, I would say. Uh, Two runs, six innings, six strikeouts against the Diamondbacks. 17 swinging strikes. That's obviously a good number. And, And that's been up this season. He's actually at less than a strikeout per inning now after getting off to a really good start with the strikeouts. So yeah, that's. I'd, I'd like to see more strikeouts, but the fact that he's getting the swinging strikes, he, he, I, his changeup was actually his most thrown pitch in this start, and it's been a good swing and miss pitch for him. So I, I like the ch- changes he's made to his pitch mix. I see him as a borderline ace. Yon Moncada seems to be getting on track. 12 out of 31 now with two homers in 10 games leading up to today's game and had another multi-hit game on on Tuesday. Uh, batting average up to 274. He He isn't hitting the ball as hard as we saw in his breakout 2019 season. But the strikeout rate is back down after the awfulness of 2020. I, I think he just needs to get hot. And I think this is maybe the start of it. I think you're going to be hurt pretty happy with Moncada in the long run. Ronald Acuna is the first to 10 home runs this year. Trevor Bauer. Uh, Trevor Bauer had a... His his worst start so far, his first non-quality start since his very first start of the season. So Bauer had a stretch of of uh, five straight quality starts, and of course they were 
high quality starts. But this one, he he was gone after four and a third, struck out seven, walked four. Frank notes here that he has an 8.4% swinging strike rate over his last two starts. Obviously not very good. It's only two starts. I'm not really worried about it. Hunter Renfro, I mentioned him earlier in the show. He's actually kind of heating up here. Six hits over his last three games, two home runs during that stretch. He's he's dangerous because when he's bad, he is really bad. But he can get hot and deliver a bunch of home runs in a short period of time. Maybe that's what's happening here. If you need help in that category specifically, I'm thinking a five outfielder league. Maybe you go with him. I don't know. Wouldn't be me guy, but I could see it. I could see it. Uh, call to the pen, bullpen section of the program here. We already talked about Josh Stallmont and how he kind of kind of had a problem there. Came in in the seventh inning and uh, ended up losing the game anyway. Still think he's the number one guy for saves in Kansas City, but Matheny's been mixing it up and continues to, clearly. Matt Barnes got a five-out save. How about that for the Red Sox? He has been surprisingly dominant this year. Uh, Up to seven saves. A lot of strikeouts. He's been one of the more trustworthy relievers, honestly. I'd see him as a top 15 at that position. And, uh, yeah, he's he's he, he may be moving up the rankings. 26 strikeouts in 16 innings. That's that's awesome. Only nine base runners allowed. Really good start for Matt Barnes. Start to the year, I mean. Obviously, he's a reliever. Sam Coonrod picked up his second save for the Phillies. Hector Neris was unavailable. Don't think there's any real issue there. Taylor Rogers blew the save for the Twins. And uh, it's kind of shaky on Monday night, too. Supposedly stepping in, taking that role from Alex Colomay, but apparently nobody wants to be the closer for the Twins this year because they're just taking turns messing up. Now, I will point out 231 ERA even after back-to-back shaky outings for Taylor Rogers. So maybe he gets another chance. Colomay hasn't done anything himself to earn another chance. I think he has one scoreless inning uh, and, and then obviously a mess before that. Um, so I don't think they're going to be ready to turn back to him. They could turn to somebody else like Tyler Duffy or Hansel Robles, I guess. But I, I think they continue to stick with Rodgers. And, um, and hopefully he does better going forward. Let's do the streamer pitchers for the next two days. Wednesday streamers. Who are my favorites of these? We got John Gray against the Giants. Luke Weaver at the Marlins. Martin Perez against the Tigers, Brady Singer against the Indians, Luis Garcia at the Yankees, and Robbie Ray at the Athletics. Yeah. Well, as usual, I'm not thrilled by these choices, but if I remember correctly from yesterday when we were forecasting two days ahead, I said my favorites were Robbie Ray at Oakland, uh, Brady Singer against Cleveland and Luis Garcia at the Yankees. So I'll stick with that. Thursday streamers. Now this is a this is a yucky group. Don't want much to do with any of these guys, but we have a job to do and we're going to do it. Spencer Turnbull at the Red Sox. John Gant against the Mets. Mike Fires against the Blue Jays. John Lester against the Braves. Drew Smiley at the Nationals. Madison Bumgarner at the Marlins. Andrew Heaney against the Rays. Clearly, clearly the number one choice is Bumgarner, right? I mean, come a long way for that to be the case, but I think it's two earned runs over his last three starts, and the last two, the velocity was back up to where it was uh, his last few years in San Francisco, so he might still be, he might still be decent, Madison Bumgarner, and the Marlins, of course, is a good matchup. I feel okay about that one. The others... Gosh, you're going to make me pick a second and third? I guess Heaney against the Rays just by process of elimination. And the third, John Gant against the Mets. Hoping the Mets lineup continues to scuffle. I don't know. Don't feel great about that one. But there are your streamer picks for Thursday. Some emails here to end the show. Thanks for sticking with me. One man show here, at least the second half. We got one here from Allison on the Apple Podcast Reviews. 10-team 10, 10 points league. 
Uh, she was offered Chris Bryant for Zach Wheeler. She's loaded at SP, and she's been going with Gio Urshela at third base. Not so great in a 10-team league. Her starting pitchers, she says she's loaded. She has Corbin Burns, Charlie Morton, Max Scherzer, Jack Flaherty, Jesus Lazardo, and Framber Valdez. Those two, of course, are on the IL. Uh, Burns, I think, is still on the IL, too, though. That's not expected to be a real issue. So Burns, Morton, Scherzer, Flaherty is who she has access to right now. She'd be giving up Wheeler. I understand it. I understand it. Brian is certainly an upgrade from Urshela. I think Urshela is good enough, and I, I wouldn't want... I wouldn't want to, that that strength at starting pitcher to become a weakness. No telling if Morton is going to be able to turn it around. I think so, but you know, I, I think it's an open question. And Burns, is he going to last all season long? I don't know. Pretty confident Wheeler will. Hey, Scott. I think I'd stick with Wheeler. Hey, we got Frank back. What's up, man? Did I miss I've anything? Ne- I've never been more excited to hear your voice. Man, what just happened? I that- don't know. You oh, tell me. God. I don't know. I, I can't even explain it. I, that was the first time we've been doing this podcast live on YouTube for, I don't know, the past three months or so and never have had a single issue. But apparently Queens and Brooklyn has been affected quite poorly by Verizon Internet. So there you go. Back just in time with, uh, I don't know, Scott, where are we on the rundown? Because thank you for, for holding it down. I, I did check I, my phone to make sure that you were still going and you were. I was still going. Yes, I didn't quite know what to do. I wasn't quite sure if anyone was listening, but the show continued on. And we just answered our first email question because I've been flying through it all to myself. But uh, feel free to continue with, or, or I, I never did rank Mexican food items if, you, if, you're, if you're dying to do that. I know you had it in there. Yeah, I mean, so I assume you ranked everything else. Uh, I ranked everything else. Yeah. I didn't get to hear, but I, I, I trust your I trust your judgment. So, uh, yeah, look, it's Cinco de Mayo. Let's wrap this up with a bang. We'll we'll do we'll rank some Mexican food items and and we'll answer some questions here as well. But all right, Scott, let's go in honor of Cinco de Mayo. Rank the taco, the quesadilla, and the burrito. I feel like if Chris were here, he would say something about a taco being a hot dog or, or something like that. I don't know. A sandwich. Everything's oh, a sandwich. Sandwich. Right. Yeah. Rank them. Yeah. Well, it depends. Pretty much never quesadilla number one, I guess. Quesadilla would never be number one for me. Taco burrito, it kind of depends what purpose it is. It depends where I'm getting it from, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I, I think generally speaking, I'd go I'd go, I'd go, taco just because every bite's more consistent. You know, Obviously, you need several tacos to, to, to meet the, the volume of a burrito. All things being equal, I think I'd go taco. Okay. I'm, more than anything, though, I'm a nachos guy. You leave a nachos out of here, that disappoints me. I never go wrong with a plate of nachos. I like nachos. I like nachos. I would I would put them fourth on this list. Um, I don't know, Scott. A good quesadilla. A good quesadilla is really good. You're out on the quesadillas, man. Not even close. It's just, <laughs> it's not interesting. I, I I eat my share, but because it's easy to prepare, I eat my share. <laughs> I will go with. Let's go. Hmm. I like all of them. Burrito's probably the messiest, but it I think it's probably the best. Like a good burrito is really, really good too. So we'll go burrito. Oh, you know what's we're sleeping on here? What are we doing? You know, we're sleeping on here is is the wet burrito. You ever had a wet burrito? Oh no. It sounds gross. It, no. It does <laughs> sound gross. It does sound kind of gross. But no, it's got the sauce on it. It's great. Oh, it comes with the, yeah, yeah. I've I've had burritos like that before. Yeah. Yeah, there's some there's some awesome uh, there's some awesome burrito spots right now. I'll go burrito one. I'll go. I like quesadillas, man. I'll go quesadillas two, and I'll I'll go tacos third. But man, they are they're all great. Uh, so you you answered the first question that we had here yep, from Allison. Right? Yep. This was from Sean on our Apple Podcast reviews. Ten team head to head categories. I have Nelson Cruz and Fran Mill Reyes is a free agent. Considering picking Reyes up and trading Nelson Cruz, what do you think? Who is a fair trade target? I need help in the outfield. So, yeah, I do think you should add Fran Mill Reyes. And um, Nelson Cruz should be able to net you at least a top 15, top 20 outfielder, Scott? Yeah, uh, I would think so. I, I, you could trade Nelson Cruz for like a Marcelo Zuna or Kyle Tucker easily, I think, if you wanted to go the buy low route. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I would, I, I think I'd do that. I mean, the thing about Cruz is he's so old. 
that I don't know. He's he's managed to play pretty close to every day so far. I just don't know that he can sustain that for a full season. That's my biggest concern with him. Would you trade him for Springer? Yeah, I'd trade him. I'd trade him for Springer. I think for Judge. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing we should consider before deciding we have to rid ourselves of uh, of Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz isn't going to pick up outfield eligibility. Emil Reyes probably is. He's made two starts in the outfield already. How many other appearances has he made? He's made a total of eh, just those two appearances. So it might be a while before he picks up outfield eligibility, especially if your requirement is more than five. Five's the standard. Yeah, I, I mean you don't you don't want to just you don't want to sell low on Cruz for sure. But I think would you do Judge? I don't think I would. Yeah, because Judge has his injury concerns himself. It seems like yeah. Kind of, kind of like Degrom and Yelich that we spoke about earlier. Judge is kind of always dealing with something, so I don't think I would do it for for Judge. But for Tucker, for Ozuna, somehow if you can get Nick Castellanos for sure, probably won't happen. But Springer, as we said, yeah, Springer as well. This one's from Garrett. Would you trade Wander Franco for Francisco Lindor in a head-to-head points keeper league? Franco could be anything. He could even be a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wonder Franco's having a, he's having a big first game too. While while I was scrolling Twitter looking for other people complaining about Verizon, <laughs> I saw I saw Wonder Franco's having a big first game in the minors tonight. Yeah. If if keeper cost is equal, I would do that. Definitely, definitely want to take the proven commodity over Lindor. I don't think a bad first month should change the equation there. Wonder Franco has three hits. In his AAA debut, including an RBI triple, an infield single, he's fun. He's going to be really good. But I think you actually have to make that trade, assuming that all things are equal. So I would agree with you there, Scott. This one's from Jack, dear Barry, Robin, and Maurice. Uh, I'm thinking, I don't know, Barry Larkin, Robin Yant. I don't know who. No? These are the Bee Gees. Okay. So many people are probably yelling at their phone right now. It's uh, (laughs) so many very old people. (laughs) (laughs) We need Chris, man. Chris is Uh, Chris doesn't know this. Chris is our balance, man. He he like he brings the musical element to things. I mean, come on. No, I think Chris's music knowledge begins in the nineties. I mean, he kind of knows his stuff. Anyway, the question: I gave up Eugenio Suarez and Lance McCullers for Aaron Savale and Josh Stalmont. Suarez will be replaced by Cabrian Hayes when he comes back from the IL. This is a 12-team head-to-head points league. Suarez and McCullers for Savale. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it, Scott. I didn't like it even when I was sure Stamon was the closer. And I'm not sure in a 12-team points league, closer shouldn't be that hard to find that you're trading for one unless he's a stud, you know? Uh, No, I... And I just prefer, as as a pitcher, I prefer McCullers to Savale. So, yeah, I wouldn't have done it. Wouldn't have been me, guy. Wouldn't have been Scott. Uh, did you mention what happened in this Giants-Rockies game by any chance, Scott? It was a wild and wacky ending. Where Yeah, I did mention that Wood did not end up getting the win. Yeah, because Jake McGee just record, he recorded two outs. He gave up four earned runs. Oof. Camilo Duvall came in to relieve him, and then he gave up two runs. Gave up a walk-off home run to Charlie Blackman. Don't look now. Charlie Blackman is coming around. He just needs a few more games in cores when it's not snowing. They have played some games in cores, but earlier in April, I mean, they were playing some through some really terrible conditions there. So uh, Charlie Blackman, his second home run of the season, a rough outing there for Jake McGee. And you yeah. know where we need to wrap up, Scott? Austin Meadows. Double dong, baby. He's coming around. Let's go. All right. I guess that's very exciting for you. I have my, I have, I have some shares of Meadows, so that's a good thing. Now, he looks good. He looks good. I know the batting average is low early in the season. I'm a little worried about Jake McGee though, because this is now he was four four in runs today. Mm-hmm. And that means he's up to eight in his past six appearances. The that ERA is up to five point five four. Yeah. Though it's a little misleading because for relievers, you know, one bad outing can really inflate the numbers. Well, it hasn't been one bad outing, though. It's been also true. Four. Yeah. I would imagine Tyler Rogers is next in line there. Right. He I filled agree. in for McGee when McGee was on. Uh, I think he was having a reaction to the vaccine. 
but I don't know, like just knowing Gabe Kapler, I don't know that he would turn to one guy. I think he might mess around for a while and maybe ultimately go back to McGee, but McGee's role suddenly appears in jeopardy. All righty. We are going to end this wacky podcast here. Thank you to Scott for holding it down while I was gone. Thank you for everyone who stuck around and, and uh, watched Scott's impression of Aaron Rodgers who was hosting Jeopardy recently. It might be the new job for Aaron Rodgers. So thank you, Scott. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I'm Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We will be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.